Welcome to a new episode of DE Editor's Chat. This is Kenneth Wong, Senior Editor for DE247. And Brian, self-introduction again, please. And this is Brian Albright. I'm the Editorial Director of DE247. Very good, Brian. Today, we are going to go through some of the acquisitions that took place, and we'll discuss the consequences of them and how they might affect our markets and the products that the people are familiar with. Which one should we start with? What do we talk about? Uh, well, Kenneth, I, I actually wanted to ask you about um, one of the more recent ones we saw, which was Carbon had acquired uh, Paramatters, which is a generative design software maker. Uh, we've seen a lot of activity around generative design in our markets, and I know you did a bit of a deep dive for the website on this. So, so what can you tell us about what Carbon is getting uh, in acquiring Paramatters? Right. Carbon is... Carbon is an additive manufacturing focused software, uh, a hardware maker, of course, and it has its own software as well. Uh, but it turns out that its software's strength, Forte, is in generating ladders. So if you have a certain volume and you want to fill it with ladders, and this is automatically created for you. But what they're getting from um, the acquisition is actually generative design. Generative design is not exactly the same as Lattice. So I think it makes sense. To me, in that way, I can see why um, the new software, the new generative design software is going to complement Carbon's existing Lattice automation software. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I think that's the case too. And it's been interesting, you know, you noted in the article that we've seen a number of folks in the design software space uh, acquiring some of these types of capabilities like PTC and, and Frustrum, uh, Hexagon uh, and Altair had both acquired uh, generative design tools. And there are also some standalone generative design companies, uh, Materialize and Topology, and a few others. Um, normally what we've seen are uh, you know, folks sort of in the more general CAD and design space picking up these tools because there's some demand for them. Uh, so it's interesting. I guess it's interesting to me to see this, you know, 3D printing company uh, picking up this tool. And I think it's unclear right now um, sort of what the how the market will shake out. Will, will we see these generative design capabilities mostly coming from traditional design software providers? Um, are we gonna see them more coming from third-party vendors or from the 3D printing companies themselves? Because you know clearly there's a need uh, and it, the need is that most traditional design tools aren't really optimized very well for additive manufacturing. Uh, at the same time, generative design isn't just for added manufacturing. It can it can benefit other manufacturing uh, approaches as well. We're kind of waiting to see uh, where generative design capabilities are, are going to fall in terms of, you know, which companies are going to really win this market. Right. Um, I can see the I can see the interest in the cat companies very clearly. Companies like Autodesk um, or Desso wanting to bring on board some kind of generative design software. They, they'll either try to develop it in-house or they'll go out and acquire somebody that is already a leader in this niche market. Um, by the way, now that I think about it, I don't think there are a whole lot of um, well-known, well-established um, generative design packages that are available for, for 
available for acquisition. In that sense, it seems like anthropology uh, remains one of the few things like that. And that's got to be um, probably on the shopping list for either uh, leading cat companies or for leading 3D hardware companies that don't have a solution like that in their own in-house portfolio. And I'll point out too that you know certainly based on general industry data and our own readership surveys, the use of generative design is still fairly low in the market. Um, so the the number of customers really leveraging these tools from any of the vendors is is still fairly small. So uh, I you know it's a very fragmented market, and uh, I guess we're still going to be waiting to to find out how it shakes out. But but clearly, um, on the three D printer side, on the additive manufacturing side. Uh, I think there's just a recognized need for better design tools. Good point. Um, let's move on to the next item that we have on our list here to talk about, and that's materialize, another AM-related um, topic. Materialize, buying a company called Identify 3D. Right. right, and this really this caught my eye because we haven't talked about it all. You know, the the vendor community doesn't talk about it a whole lot, but this notion of uh, digital manufacturing, which, uh, you know, additive manufacturing is part of, but the idea that the uh, designs and the production capacity can be more flexible and fluid and, and be transferred more easily, you know, begs this question of, well, how do you protect intellectual property and how do you protect design? How do you make sure that uh, this type of technology isn't just used to, you know, create a lot of counterfeit products or, um, cause other sorts of uh, disruptions in the supply chain because you can't quite be sure of the validity of the part or the design. Um, and that's what this the Identify 3D sort of directly addresses for Materialize. It's supposed to encrypt and uh, trace digital part movement uh, to help you know make sure that counterfeits don't enter the supply stream. Uh, and I'm, they're having, they're, there hasn't been a lot of other sort of activity on this front uh, that I've seen. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what the market makes, you know, what the market makes of this in terms of the customer response and, and how much the vendors in the space are going to sort of promote the idea of, of having more secure solutions for this because they haven't necessarily made it, you know, talked about it openly for obvious reasons. It's, it's a, I think it's a security uh, challenge that isn't necessarily addressed very well buy a lot of the, the products out there. Right. Materialize recently introduced a cloud-hosted software. Well, I mean, they have, already, they, they have always had software, but they repackaged it or they created a platform uh, and uh, launched that um, COAM. I think it's called COAM or COAM. I'm not right. sure how it's right. pronounced. But um, that software is cloud-hosted and is a software specifically for people who want to produce mass customization and use what they describe as serial AM manufacturing. So we're not talking about using AM for prototyping or one-off kind of uh, print printable parts anymore. We are talking about churning out hundreds of thousands of perhaps even millions of parts in large volume. And I wonder how, how the Identify 3D's component fit into this. What does Identify 3D offer that complements this? Well, I think, you know, from my understanding of it, it's a way to 
uh, sort of just keep track of where the digital part information has gone. Uh, and in that way, and, and they didn't provide a whole lot of detail. And obviously, it, uh, you know, probably for competitive reasons, they're not going to give too much of a look under the hood. It, it sounds almost a little bit like the idea of, of blockchain and that um, you have some sort of guarantee of the legitimacy of the, I'm assuming the digital files that you're receiving um, and that are being passed back and forth. Correct. I think they talk about, in the press release, I remember reading that um, identified 3Ds offer, among other things, uh, data integrity and traceability. So we're really talking about uh, making sure that the 3D file that you're using to print from, you know what the source is, and you know that this is the correct thing, and you know this is the uncorrupted source. So this is, I guess, one way in which a feature like that would fit into somebody who is trying to churn out um, uh, large volumes of AM produced parts. So to right. me, that sort of makes sense. Right. And it'll be interesting to see because I think particularly, you know, with the advances we've seen in uh, the ability to share the, this information and then print parts, production parts at scale, and also some of the other developments we've seen in the market around, uh, you know, scanning. Uh, CT scanning and three-dimensional scanning uh, for reverse engineering applications. Uh, there's certainly an opening for a lot of, of counterfeiting of parts uh, and products that has been made much more easy uh, by some of these technology developments. And I'll, I'll be curious to see what other ways, both in terms of software and, and also you know, physically securing designs or identifying parts and, and products that you know, the market's going to come up with. Because uh, it, it seems to me right now, it'd, it'd be much easier than ever before to uh, you know, make very good copies of a legitimate part and sell them. Indeed, um, when it comes to 3D printable parts, the file is the key. Once you get a hold of the file, you would be able to print it with, um, granted that you already have the printing, uh, a printer that is capable of churning out the same quality of print. Um, yeah. Let's move on and talk about um, the next item on our list. This is PTC, the parent yeah. company of the CloudCat company Onshape, buying cloud milling cam cloud milling cam so really even though it's ptc making the acquisition what's really going to benefit is the on-shaped users and the on-shaped customers what are your thoughts on that any initial thoughts brian well i mean i think it's it's a fairly straightforward addition of uh cam you know cloud-based cam functionality to what's already been a, a fairly strong cad offering on the cloud um i'm not really all that familiar actually you know with cloud with cloud milling uh in terms of their market or sort of their background but uh this seems like the next logical step for onshape uh, to me yes when i spoke to um onshape people i found out a little more about uh, cloud milling chem it really mm -hmm. is a, a small company founded and run by a father-son duo mike johnson and rylan johnson and they have um, they're, they're known to the Onshape community um, because many of the Onshape users have to rely on partner CAM products or other people who provide uh, CAM plugins to do their CAM jobs. And it's Onshape 
the package itself doesn't have CAM. But buying cloud milling CAM, of course, adds that. And now it becomes part of Onshape, the Onshape's offering. I have a feeling that um, in the past, for example, judging from the way they do it uh, with their um, acquisition, in the past when they acquired uh, my genius, uh, sort of like a rendering uh, technology. Um, eventually, it ends up as Render Studio. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they bought um, an eCAT company, eventually it ends up as PCB Studios. So it wouldn't be far fetched to imagine at some point when they have worked out all the integration of the technology, we may be looking at a CAM studio for mm-hmm. on shape users. Um, the, in, the interesting thing would be that um, Onshape also has other partners that develop CAM plugins. Now Onshape will have its own official CAM offerings inside Onshape. So how would these relationships work going forward is um, up in the open. Right. I, I think it probably, uh, in some way also, then, you know, better positions Onshape against some of the other um CAD vendors that have cloud offerings that already had um, cloud-based CAM uh, uh, plugins or products, um, you know. That's right. Case in point, uh, Auditor's Fusion 360. Uh, exactly. SolidWorks with its own CAM already built in. So, yes. Yeah. The last thing, let's chat about uh, TechSoft, the company TechSoft, which is known for its Hoops uh, 3D uh, software suite. Techsoft buying Redway 3D, which makes a RE SDK, I think that's the name of the product. Uh, what are your initial thoughts on that? Well, I guess, you know, maybe for our uh, listeners who don't get too much into the weeds on the uh, how their software works, um, you know, Techsoft 3D uh, has tools that are used by other vendors uh, whose tools you may be using now, like Hexagon and so. Right. Um, and this should in this this acquisition, I, I guess, is is targeted for the hoops visualize um, a bit of TechSoft 3D and should give them, uh, you know, a more ray tracing based, uh, you know, improved re- rendering um, and real time visualization. I think is how they're promoting it, uh, and that's certainly much more in demand uh, as we have folks doing a lot more 3D modeling and a lot of sort of. Uh, uh, rendering and visualization within their design workflows, uh, AR, VR, increasingly being part of the design review process. Uh, I, I think that's probably what's driving this. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, hoops, like you point out, uh, there are a lot of uh, leading cat companies that are already using Hoops as the engine underneath their products. Uh, hoops products could be used to develop uh, mobile application, uh, uh, viewing application, or actually modeling application as well, and graphics application as well. So really this one is going to Hoops Visualize. Hoops Visualize is going to get um, photorealistic ray traced rendering from Redby3D's technology here. I think that's what it's happening here. Um, let's talk also a little bit about some of the trade shows that you and I will be going because the next episode will probably be talking about the news um, from those conferences, which is uh, where are you going next week, Brian? Uh, I'll be heading off to the IMTS uh, show in Chicago. 
Uh, I'll mostly be spending time in the additive manufacturing pavilion and, and maybe the software pavilion too. Uh, I've never been to IMTS, so I'm very much looking forward to it. When I joined uh, Digital Engineering in 2019, uh, not too long after uh, COVID arrived and a lot of my travel got canceled. So this is my first opportunity to get out to IMTS. and I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I hear it's quite an experience. They have a, a lot of uh, manufacturing technology on display, a lot of robotics technology on display. So I'll, I'm, a lot of fun things I can get, hopefully get some pictures and video of and, and put them up on our social media feeds. And I will be heading to Autodesk University at the end of this month in September. It'll be in uh, not New Orleans, as I used to mispronounce the name of the city. I got corrected, and it's New Orleans. So I'll be heading back to <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> in between uh, having coffee and beignet and uh, gumbo, I'll try to get the best scoop on Autodesk Technologies. I have a feeling we'll be hearing a lot about uh, generative design because that happens to be their late, lately their focus. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you find there. And uh, we'll certainly have to keep our eyes open for more acquisition news because there seems to be plenty of it this year. That's right. It's shopping season for people with <laughs> <laughs> people with deep pockets uh, uh, in their corporate uh, coffer. Well, thank you very much, Brian. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. I'll talk to you again soon in the next episode. All right. Thank you, Kenneth. Okay. Until next time, this is Kenneth Wong for DE247 and we are out. 